Hey folks, Lewis here with the Alliance Pro Wrestling Network. Thanks for joining me today. You're in for a very special treat today because I got an opportunity to speak with Canadian pro wrestling great, a guy who's wrestled all over the world, uh, debuted in 1967. He wrestled all the old school greats such as Terry Funk, um, Leo Burke, uh, Andre the Giant, and the list goes on and on. I'm talking about the one and only no-class Bobby Bass. I got to speak with him. Uh, we spoke for about an hour, and as you'll hear, Bobby Bass likes to talk. Uh, he, he told me some terrific stories. You're really going to enjoy this one. Just want to point out that sometimes in the world of podcasting, the recording of the actual conversation which you use to make the podcast doesn't always come out as you have, as you hope. Uh, and unfortunately, while I sound clear during this conversation, for some reason, no class Bobby Bass, his, his part of the conversation, which sounded clear when we were uh, talking initially, uh, came out a little bit muffled. So I do apologize for that. I tried to clean it up as much as I can. Uh, but you're going to enjoy this interview. Uh, without further ado, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. I give you no class Bobby Bass. Hello and welcome to the Alliance Pro Wrestling Network. I am your host, Lewis Carlin, and this is the Alliance Pro Wrestling Interview. Very excited today because I have a very, very special guest today. He's had quite a career in professional wrestling spanning over a number of decades. Uh, he was a huge star in the Maritimes, wrestled all over the world. Very happy to welcome to the show the one and only, no class, Bobby Bass. Welcome to the show, Bobby. Hey, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, my friend. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, uh, first and foremost, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, hope you had Same to you. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, did you eat a lot? Did uh, Bobby Bass eat a lot on Thanksgiving? Uh, we had a big family here for Thanksgiving dinner and had a great dinner with the wife and uh, her sister and her daughter and family. And we just had a great time. Uh, matter of fact, we just finished a. Uh, Turkey sandwiches tonight. <laughs> okay, there you go. I know. I wanted to get the interview started, but you're like, no, we're we're eating dinner. So I didn't. I I understood that now that I interrupted the turkey sandwich. So I I apologize about, about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so cool. So let's let's get started. I know you debuted. Uh, I was doing research. If, if if I'm correct here, you debuted in 1969. Uh, so how did you become interested in becoming a pro wrestler? And and what steps did you take to to become one? Uh, n number one, I started in 1967. Okay, actually. okay, sorry about that. Yeah, and uh, the reason I started in professional wrestling, I had no no intention to be in a professional wrestler. Never did, you know. Uh, wasn't interested, you know. Did being a teenager, you know, you want to hang around your buddies and all that. But my father, God rest his soul, said to me one time, uh, hey, my real name Dennis. Everybody knows that, so if you don't mind, 
Uh, Dennis, he said, I think I, there's something very big and ugly enough to do, and I said, what's that, Dad? He said, Phil Rothman. So I uh, went down to Phil Rothman's gym, uh, Sully Gym, real famous Sully Gym down with Queenie Mountain. And uh, I met Phil Watson and uh, did a few talks, and he uh, showed me a few things, and I fell right in love with the business. And uh, I was in the gym for six or seven months, and he told me I was ready to go. And I said, no. I said, uh, I don't feel I'm ready. So I stayed about a year. Yeah, about a year. And, a, and I learned everything to work about Rothman, bump taking, uh, you know, how to work, how to talk, and, you know, well, not how to talk, but how to work, and, and, and stuff like that. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I say today, my father changed my whole entire life for me. So, so you weren't a fan of pro wrestling up until that um, up until that point. Then you you never watched it uh, at home or anything. No, never watched it at all. Didn't know nothing about it. Oh wow, that's that's interesting. So it's just um, so if you, if your dad didn't see that 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 ad, that there would be no there there wouldn't be a no class Bobby Bass, right? right. No, there'd probably be probably be some guy working the factory driving the truck. <laughs> but uh... okay, well, well, thank goodness you saw that ad. Thank goodness you saw that ad. Yeah, yeah sure. God bless him. Yeah, so so wrestling today is uh, was much different back then, more well protected. Um, so was it hard getting into the school, or did you have to prove yourself? I know, for example, Hulk Hogan had his leg broken um, uh, when he decided he wanted to become a wrestler. Did you have to prove yourself first before you got into the school? Uh, no, I, I I don't think it did. He, he he saw something in me that that he, he said you got it, but you haven't brought it out. You know, but but it's there. I can see it. And I, I just trained along with that goalie, Roger. You probably heard of goalie. And, and, and he, he's another friend of mine that passed away. But, but he first said to me, he said, he said Robbie, he said, you, you've got something there. And I just got to bring it out of you. I can see the potential in you. Now, I, I never believed that, to be honest with you. I was oh, yeah, he just bullshit me. But, uh, but, but he did. He, he did bring it out. And uh, here I am. 45 or 50 years later, retired for wrestling. And I thank Joe Watson every day that, you know, that what he did for me. He saw potential in me. So that was Whipper Watson's uh, school, but it was his son that was running it from, from what I was reading. Is that correct? That was Phil That's Watson. Yeah. It's Phil Watson Jr., a heck of a worker, boy. Wow. Yeah. I tell you. Did you did you ever get to train with Whipper Watson or or, or no? No, to be honest, I was in the gym for a year and the Whipper never showed up at all. Okay. There you ne- go. Never showed up. So your huh? de- so what do you remember about your debut match nineteen uh, back in 1967? Uh, what memories do you have of that match? Uh, I got great memories of it. Uh, Ricky Stewart, I never remember who this guy was. We saw the movie Clockwork Orange with the big guy with the yellow t-shirt, the big black guy, the big muscle. Okay. Uh, and uh, my first match, believe it or not, was in Wood, 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 Woodbridge, Ontario. Okay. And uh, I, I was just the first match I had and. Of course, Stewart was going over, and uh, he gave me a little bit of boom, boom. I, he ended up picking me up and put me face first into a garbage can, wow. upside down. And I said, I'm a pro wrestler now. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that was my first match, and then, of course, I went on uh, the Northern Tour with the great Larry Kastrobelski, and, you know, from there, it still developed in, into uh, Kentucky, you know, where, where Harley Race saw me, brought me into, brought me into Kansas City, and I, I worked I, I quite a few uh, uh, 
St. Louis shows. Okay. And then and from there, I went to uh, Pat O'Connor, got another fellow, that uh, former NWA heavyweight champ. He said, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Bass got hurt, actually. Okay. And I knew Ma, I knew Ma and Ronnie Bass from uh, Kentucky. They were good friends. So uh, they needed another partner, and they, they asked Pat O'Connor, could they, they get me down to Pensacola, Florida? And, and uh, I said, well, yeah, it would be a good opportunity for him. So that's where we came up with, that's where we came up with the name Bobby Bass. Uh, okay. in the Bath family. And, and they wanted to call me ready for it, Clem, something like that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, Clem, what are you talking about, Clem? <laughs> they were playing a joke, and, or he's doing something like that, and I said, no, 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 no. So I looked at the names, I said, you know what, guys, how did Bobby Joe Bath sound to you guys? And they said, that's great. So I had that name since 1970, 72, 73. Okay. And uh, that's how that name came along, but... The no class didn't come along until uh, when was it? Calgary. We did a twenty man, twenty two man battle roll, and a midget got in and ran around and they were kicking us in the back of the legs and you know just having some fun. And I used to be teaching with a fellow called uh, Len Benton, okay. who was known at the, at the grappler. And uh, little Johnny Yang, he said, "Hey guys, pick me up and swing me." So he picked him up, gave him a little swing, goes higher. Picked him up, gave him another big high swing, he said, higher. So we give him a big one and we let him go and he went up and hit the light in the arena. And uh, 22 guys looked up and he started to fall and the light came behind them. He hit the mat, the light hit him, and uh, the late great Ed Warren said, yeah, Bass has no class. And that's how that started with the new class, Bobby Bass thing. And, and it was good to me. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you, I know there was a, a great story behind the, uh, how you became a no-class Bobby Bass. I was going to ask you about that a little later, but, but yeah, you beat me to it, you told the story, and that's a great story, <laughs> that's a great story there. So that, that was Ed. Well, and here's the part about it, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know the name no-class until uh, about a week, about a week later we were in uh, Edmonton, and I heard people say, hey, you got no-class, and I'm going, what? Who are they talking about? And then, and then, the, then one of the guys told me, yeah, Ed Wellen called you no-class. And so I said, oh, that's not too bad. I like that. So we sort of worked the gimmick with no-class Bobby Bass, and it, it, I'm still known as that today, <laughs> 40 years ago, you know? So, yeah, so that was pretty a, good. That was the Stampede Wrestling. Have you, were you, were you, um, did you spend time in the heart, in the Stu Hart's dungeon at all? Or, when you were no, I, I, I wouldn't go to the dungeon. Okay. And I know you're going to ask me why. Uh, I, I, I was, I had about, I guess 67 to 80, I had a few years in the business. And I, I was pretty well put together. I wasn't no uh, muscle-bound guy, but I could work. And uh, I didn't think I need to go to the dungeon with Stu Hart and have me, me lay down and have him put a hold on me and stretch me. And I told him, so, Stu, I appreciate it, but no thanks. And he goes, yeah, 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 you little bastard. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I, I worked with Stu territory. I did very well there. So smart, uh, smart move. I don't think I would have gone to the dungeon either. So yeah, you made a smart move there, staying out of the dungeon. I would uh, Did you? Did you? Uh, I'm, I, I was was reading. Uh, you you met an early Bret Hart, uh, when like seventy nine, eighty, I believe. Uh, doing my research. So, what was your first thoughts of Bret Hart uh, when you first wrestled? Uh, I thought Bret was great. You can see Bret with Bret and. To be more than just a stampede in his father's company, you could see him. I, I didn't know he was going to go to WWF, but he would. I thought he'd go to AWA, NWA. But uh, he, you know, he went 
to the WWF, and, and uh, you know the story there. He just uh, took off five, I think, five or six times champion, and, and God bless him. Uh, he's uh, and I gotta be honest, uh, I'm pro Canadian, any Canadian wrestler, and I love. So I don't think we get, well, I don't think we get the recognition uh, from a lot of writers because we're Canadian. But you look at all the champions lately, uh, Edge, Chris Stratus, yep. uh, all these people are Canadian, and, and, and Chris Benoit. You know, yeah. you got to throw Chris's name in there. And then, then the, the tag team champions were Edge and Christian, Canadian, trained by the great uh, Ronnie Hutchison, you know. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and you know, these are Canadians, and, uh, you know, the people don't give them credit for what, what they do. That's my opinion anyway, you know. Absolutely. And it's Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho's another uh, tremendous uh, Canadian wrestler as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, so what is it about pro wrestling? Right from the south. So, what is it about pro wrestling that you love so much? I think you, you, you don't have a team. What you do is you prove on your own that you can do it. You don't need four or five guys to back you up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you just get in there and you got the confidence, you got the training, and, and you know what it's going to be like. We all know it's prearranged. If anybody tells you different, they're lying. Else. But the thing is, you, you get in there and you, or you're, on, you're in your own bottle. How's that? Uh, put it like that. It, it makes a man out of you. I think it does anyway. That's you know? a great answer. Absolutely, man. Uh, so what was life like back on the road? Uh, life on the road uh, back then for us. I'm sure well, you have some great stories that, that, you like to, that you like to share. Yeah, but I can't, I can't tell them on the air. Oh, okay, okay. Right. But I mean, you know, really, like, most people think, because we, we're get into the, let's say, a local arena, uh, like, let's say, Prince George from Vancouver, right? Uh, people don't realize that's, that's an eight- or nine-hour drive. And, and they see you in the ring for a half hour. Well, they, they don't work that much. But when you go home and have a brewski, or, or, you know, we got to turn around and drive back to Vancouver. Very dangerous, you know. Uh, on the road, you got, uh, you got, whatever you're driving, you got three guys with you, help to pay for the gas. And we're on the road seven days a week. People don't realize that. And we travel all the time. Like, you take the Maritimes. Hey, seven days a week, twice on Sunday. You know? Uh, I think it was 3,500 miles a week uh, for five and a half months. You never stopped. People don't realize that. They think, ah, we're going to see you for a half hour. And then we got to be in tip-top shape to get in that ring and... Uh, go 45 or 50 minutes or whatever it is at top speed there's no just thing at the headlock now and lay down and hang on to that headlock for, for 15 minutes or whatever like you could do in the olden days yeah. they want action today they want up and down boom 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 and, and, and you know if, if you can't do that get out of the business you, you have no business being in our business that's the way I look at it you know was, was there a group that you used to, that you used to ride around with Oh, yeah, I I I I I with the best. Eh? To me, do right? Kid and Assassin, okay. Killer Car Group, you know, Frenchy Martin, okay. guys like that. And, uh, you know, and, and the stories were just like, <laughs> the stories were just unbelievable, you know. That they, they were telling that from before I met them, and then when I, they asked me about stories by myself and all. And, and I mean, we've got a, a really good brotherhood in this business. And, and here's one thing I might I bring up here, Liz. A lot of people say, ah, oh, you, you guys are, are, are all friends. And, and let me just debunk that. 
I, I worked the Maritime five and a half months with the Cuban, Frenchy, uh, Coop, Coop. We never saw, and you know this, the baby faces, Lynn Hilbert, Bobby Kay, whoever. We never saw them except when we got in the ring. That's the only time we saw them. And people say, I saw you having a beer with them. Tell me where that was, pal, because I, I can tell you where I was in that night and there was no beer drinking with these guys. You know, and, and people, you, you get, I don't know, they, they get you mad sometimes by talking that crap to you. <laughs> you know what? And you, the last thing you want to do is, is get no class Bobby Bass upset. <laughs> that's, that's the last thing anybody, anybody wants to do back then. Um, so, well, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I'm, I'm taking the whole show up here. I'm sorry. I, no, I talk no, a lot. Go ahead. You're, you're making my job easy. I ask a question and you go on for a long time, so you're making my job easy. That's 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 that's, that's perfect, man. That's, <coughs> I love guests like this. Uh, so well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. To me, uh, the God of the Maritimes is Leo Burke. No doubt in my mind. Leo was, was the number one man. And, you know, you you had to remind uh, uh, him, how you say it? You know, look up to him. But you couldn't say that. You know, okay. uh, it, it probably would mean the boys said, boy, gee, he's one hell of a worker. We can't wait to get in the ring with Leo's like a night off. But this guy here was just unbelievable. And I don't think he got the recognition he should have, in my eyes. You know, okay. they, 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 say, they say I was the big part of the Maritime Ross and I was the big uh, sort of stars, you want to say, with the Cuban and the guys. Okay. We, couldn't even, we couldn't even touch Leo Burke. You know, it was an honor, it was an honor and a pleasure to get in the ring and, and just hook up with this guy, you know. And uh, a lot of people don't say that, they, they brag about themselves. Hey, it takes two to tangle, brother, it takes two guys to make each other look good. And boy, I mean, I have more match with Leo Burke, like half the other guys in the Maritimes. It's just a pleasure to get in the ring with him. And I'm just, you know, I heard he's not doing too well today, and I hope he keeps feeling better in, in the future, you know. Yeah, well, I, I, I was on uh, YouTube, and I, I was watching some of the old matches, uh, you and Leo Burke, uh, a lot of tag team matches as well. Great, great stuff. You guys had great chemistry together. Um, but uh, talk about the Maritimes. You, you made a, like you said, you called yourself a star, and that's okay. You were a star in the Maritimes, uh, Grand Prix Wrestling. So how did you first get involved with Grand Prix Wrestling? Uh, and forgive me if I'm wrong, because I'm going off the Internet. Uh, I know I got the, the debut date wrong. It did say 1969 online, uh, but it says you debuted there in 1980. Is that, is that correct? Uh, that is correct. And I, uh, I, I tell you who, who brought me into the Maritimes. Uh, I did, I, I was working in Vancouver on top, and then uh, I got a call from uh, Stampede, Cuban Assassin, I think of it. He said, I'd like you to come in to, to, uh, to uh, Stampede. And I said, okay. And I come in with the guarantee that they were usually pretty good, right? So, I, of course, I've been there a month or a month and a half, and me and Lynn Denton uh, hooked up, and we took the titles, I believe, off of uh, Brett and, uh, what's his brother's name? I can't think of his brother's name, but anyway, uh, we took the ties out, and the youth was really good. And then the Cuban used to go down every every summer to the Maritimes, and he said, would you like to come down? I'll talk to you and we'll about you. And I said, yeah, okay, and we'll, you know, talk some money, and we'll see what's going on. So uh, I get the call from uh, Cuban. He said, okay, come on in. I come in, and uh, I met with him. He said, uh, you know what? He said, I think I'm going to call you Mad Dog Bass. I said, I don't think so. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm going with the handle no class and he's working for me. Okay. So he said to, he said to me, well, you don't use Mad Dog, you're not working here. I said, hey, that's okay. You know? Okay. I said, I'll go back to Calgary or someplace else. And then I guess somebody I'm nearly kidding said, hey, listen, 
this guy got over with the no class thing and he took the, he taped me up to Cuban. Boy, I tell you what, you learn your lessons. Uh, you think you know it all? You know nothing until you get in the ring with the Cuban and, and work tag team. So I, I was a tag team specialist with the Cuban for, for uh, I think six or seven years we, we were down there. And uh, I tell you what, we had fantastic matches with everybody you put us against. And uh, the guys we worked with could work and knew how to work a crowd. Uh, it was just great, man. I, I, I just can't tell you the feeling it was sitting in the ring with these guys night after night and working with these guys, especially you and Bobby Kay. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, um, I was w- watching another interview that you that you did recently. Uh, I don't know if it was recently, but uh, but you were mentioning Bobby Kay. So what? Um, tell me a little bit about Bobby Kay and uh, what you thought was uh, so special about him. Bobby Kay, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Bobby was one hell of a worker. Uh, I remember one night I was in a we didn't we were working just single match and boom boom he gave me two fast iron guys bam bam. I said, hey, Bobby, you get the best effects. I was seeing my legs. He goes, I know. I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I saw Bobby was just as good a worker as Leo. These, these guys you don't mind getting in the ring with. But, you know, you know yourself, I give my body to him. He gets his body to me. And, and, you know, we work with each other. And Bobby Kay and, and Leo Burke are just fantastic workers. I, I, and another big guy I like is Stephen Petty here, you know. Okay. But, uh, uh, Bobby Kay and Neil Burke and, and, and Stephen were just wow. They were unbelievable getting the ring. I, I call them years the magic years. Because everything we did turned to gold. We had, we had storylines that kept the people on the edge of the seats week after week after week. And it wasn't uh, confusing storylines, you know? They, they were good, easy storylines. But the people they, they, in the Maritimes loved our storylines. They thought they were great. And I did too, to be honest, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm watching. Uh, there's a lot of uh, the shows on YouTube. I I grew up in Queens, New York, so I was a WWF fan. My grandfather, 1978. I remember one day he said, "Louis, have you ever heard of Bruno Sammartino?" I was like, "No, who's that?" He goes, "Well, he's coming on in a few moments. So you might, you're gonna want to sit down and watch Bruno Sammartino." So then yeah. I um I sat down and I was hooked ever since. Just it was just an interview with Bruno Sammartino. I was so intrigued, and, and that's what got me into into pro wrestling. Um, have you, did you ever step in the ring with with Bruno by by chance? No, no, but I I, I sat beside him at a, a a Hall of Fame dinner and we talked. And uh, uh, excellent gentleman, super nice guy, super nice guy. You know, we had a couple of pictures taken, and you know, uh, I, I I didn't get into the WWF for I guess in the right. Come back from the Maritimes, I, I come home and uh, I used to go to Japan and some, but you know, the Maple Leaf Wrestling up there, uh, they would have shows, and I, I worked a few WWF shows. But they, they would, and I gotta be honest, I, they would use us guys like pieces of meat, carry them to these guys that, you know, we could outwork them, you know, any day of the week. And I'm not, I'm not being uh, rude or anybody, but you know, we had to make them look good because they were WWF guys. Okay. You know, and then I, I didn't agree with that. I, I, again, that's my opinion. Maybe other guys have it, won't say it, but I will. I'm 73 years old. What are you gonna do to me? Right? Okay. <laughs> okay. No one's gonna do anything to no class, Bobby Bass, anyway. So, yeah. uh, so, so back to the Maritimes. Uh, you were you were a super um, successful heel uh, in the Maritimes. Did you ever have any issues with fans that that might have hated you? That did you ever get into any altercations with any fans? Oh yeah, but but you know what? Uh, what I did in the ring, people say, how can you be so mean? I said, I don't know. What I did 
was off the top of my head. I never rehearsed nothing. I, I, I would go in the ring and do, I guess, it, let me put it like this to you, Lewis, I could read a crowd, what they wanted and what they didn't want, you know? And uh, what I did, I, I tell everybody who asked me, hey, I, I had a lot of fun doing, being the character Bobby Boss. And that's who, who he was. I had a lot of fun. I, I, to me, I'm, I'm a big star. You know, I said later, early on, oh, I'm a star. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, that's what the people call me. Me, I'm just a guy that was very fortunate to have uh, a job that he loved doing and being the character Bobby Boss. But, uh, and it was fun. It, it was just great. Great fun to me, you know. All in the I got away having fun, and people, people don't understand them. They tell them, "Yeah, it's a great time for me." Well, you mentioned the WWF um, uh, a little earlier. Was back there? Was there any? Did you have any ill will towards Vince McMahon when he uh, destroyed the territories and started to go national with uh, the WWF? Uh, I guess everybody else, yeah, I did. And I'll tell you why. I, I think he took a lot of work. The territories we used to call them. You remember that? Oh, yeah. And it, it took a lot of work from a lot of guys that were making a living on territory. You had Vancouver, you had Calgary, you had Winnipeg, you had Ontario, you had the Maritimes, you had all, everything in the States. You, you, you go there and it work. That, pardon me, that, that's what I, uh, I, I didn't like about Victor Man. He took all our work off of, pardon me, off of people. And he had a choice of wrestlers. If, you know, if you, if you didn't want to, if he didn't like it, you didn't work. You were now bulked up. You didn't work, you know. Yeah. And then you had the job. You had the job would come in local guys. But I mean, he would he was the main attraction. And, then, and to me, that you know, he took a lot of work off a lot of people. I, that's my opinion. You may disagree. People listen to your program may disagree. But you had to be there and, and, and suffer the consequences. You know, you 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 used to go into a territory six to seven months, make a living for your family, and all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. Yeah. You know, uh, to me, uh, I mean, it was a different decision on his behalf. You know, he got away with it. But, you know, look, look at the guys today in the indie shows. Well, you know yourself, they're, they're traveling, and they love the business like we did. They're making 40, 50 bucks a night. Come on, that's not right, you know. That's, that's not fair at all. I made that, I made $25 a night in Paducah, Kentucky, 19, I don't know, 67 when I started there. Okay. Yeah, and then we used to pray that somebody wouldn't show up to make fifty bucks. He paid double in days. I don't, I don't really do it today. But uh, you know, I, I do have a little ill feeling towards it. But the time goes by, and what are you going to do? You can't do nothing. Sure. You know, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I grew up, I grew up in the territories. I remember when we first got cable. We, because uh, I would, I was a WWF uh, guy, Bob Backlin. Uh, I've been putting yeah, yeah, my guys. But uh, when we got cable for the first time, I was living in Long Island. We got Georgia Championship Wrestling, and they introduced me to uh, Rick Flair, yeah. Dusty Rhodes, the Freebirds. And yeah. I loved it. And I get getting magazines and checking out who's uh, the most popular, or who's wrestling where. And it did, it did. When McMahon, you know, killed the territories, it kind of took away a little bit of the fun. Uh, that's how. I it did. It, 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 it did. As a fan, that's how I looked at it. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of pro wrestling. Believe it or not, even though I was a wrestler, uh, I used to love watching Flair, Dusty Rhodes, uh, Megan PTA, uh, Telly Blanchard. The boy, I worked with all them guys. You know what I mean? And, and, but you know, they all ended up. Where they all end up? WWE. Yep. You know. Yeah. Uh, you you gotta go where you gotta go to make a, a, a living for your family. You know. Okay. And, and, and thank. And thank God for overseas, you know. You go over there and make yourself a few dollars and 
you know, you got a good wife to take care of the money and you'd be all right. <laughs> there, you <laughs> you go, there you go. There you go. So what was it like? Well, um, you wrestled in Japan. So uh, which which promotion in Japan did you wrestle for? What what was the like for you? I, I, I used to think it was uh, all, pro, uh, all, all players. players. All Japan? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was it. Anyway, we just, I just wrestled the guys like I wrestled the guys here. You know? I, I was a rough individual and... Uh, they liked my style and they they, they they liked the gimmick I had and you know uh, I got in the cage matches I think I did 14 or 15 in a row because they liked me in a cage okay it, it, you know and it, it was kind of cool I, I didn't mind it you know no matter what I did I, I did the strap match chain match I, I did them all and uh, it, to me it, 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 it's the way you uh, 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 appreciate the other guy in the other end of the strap or the, or the chain or something you know and, and the, the way you present that match, they get over. They're going to be a shitty worker. Don't even bother getting into that guy. People see right through it. Because you know it and I know it and the fans out there know it too, sure. you know? Sure, man. So, so, uh, so next question I got to ask. I got to ask. I know reading you in the ring, uh, I'm sure more than once with, with Andre the Giant. So what's the experience? What was the experience like being in the ring with Andre the Giant? <laughs> Fantastic. If he liked you, you know, you probably know, know the story. He didn't like you, he didn't like you. He liked you, he called you boss. You know that, eh? Yeah, no, I, I read that many times, yeah. And uh, we were like, uh, he, he went to Highland Gold Trotters, and we were the, the team that, that, that made him, uh, you know, work for him every night. And I think a funny called Tucker Joe and myself. We did a tour with him. And I remember one night, I weighed 255 or 250, I think it was. Okay. And he took me over his head, and I said to him, that, that's all you got? And he goes, okay, boss. And he extended, he, he extended his hand, stood up, took his hand back, and I, I leaned back in his hands, and he walked around, and he said, goodbye, boss. I went, huh? And he threw me over the top rope. <laughs> and I landed, you know, right down by the, the ringside. And of course, I, I, I sold the bump, and I'm like, Joe, Joe picked me up, throwed me in, and, uh, what do you call he uh, <laughs> sit on us and pinned us but uh, yeah he, 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 he caught, I, I'm traveling with him a couple of times too you know I had I had the big Cadillac limousine Cadillac and he used to sit in the back and, okay. and, and drink a beer and drink a beer and uh, you know Frank Valois uh, I remember coming back from Iowa and they're in the back and I swear to God they were talking French and I looked in the rearview mirror and I swear to God I saw a long hearty back there <laughs> <laughs> and I went, you know, it's the beer. But he he was he was a great guy. Uh, another quick story. Uh, he said to me, Bobby, he said you want some beer? I said I have six. I'm in a six pack. They so come back with six cases of six pack. I said, what's that? He said, you say six. I said no, no, six pack. And we had a lot of good times. And. Uh, he came to Canada and I, he had working for All Star at that time, and uh, he came in and I uh, said, "You're working with Bass and somebody, I, yeah, Bass and somebody else." And uh, I had the van uh, with the love seat in it, and he said, "I drive with Buddy." And he uh, said, "No, you don't." He said, "Yeah, yeah." He says, "You, you drive with, uh, drive with somebody else." I said, "No, I drive with uh, Bobby." Anyway, we we couldn't let him out two blocks from the arena. Cause you know everybody knows who he was. Yeah. So we, I, I we used to go to the back of the arena, and I called and said, "Listen, can we park the van inside? Can people go and destroy it?" He go, "Oh yeah." So we pull in and make sure we're in and on. We get out and walk to the dressing room. 
at the end of the night where the last one dirty got in, we, we took off. But he was quite the character. We had a, a, a very big pal, ice beer, ice beer, ice beer. I don't know, 48 beer or something. And you hear, Bobby, you want beer? No, no, I'm driving, man. You know, okay, how about you? And he, he was just, he was a great guy. You know, uh, I really got along with him. I was very sad when he passed away, actually. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you could go on and on if, if you wanted to tell Andre stories. I mean, that, that's, that's perfectly <laughs> fine by me. If you have any other Andre stories you want to tell, I uh, I absolutely loved Andre the Giant when I was growing up. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I did too. He, he, was, uh, he was such a great guy. Oh, I, I remember one. I came, uh, we were going to some time, and I had Terry Funk and him in the car. Oh, my God. Well, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were going to a TV show, and... Uh, they were doing it like a morning show interview. And uh, we walked by and there's some guy who did a cooking show after the morning show. And he just ate a couple of pies. And uh, he, he looked at Andre and he said, don't touch them. And he said, okay, boss. So he was talking to him too. He picked up two pies and kept on going. <laughs> 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 they were quite the, quite the team too, you know. Andre and Terry, funny, 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 funny guys. Yeah, so... Uh... I, 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 forgive me if I'm wrong again, because again, I'm going off the internet. I was reading that you actually had an NWA title shot against Terry Funk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I did, yeah. yeah I did was in Kansas City. We were uh, doing a TV show and, uh, you know, title match. And, you know, Terry's going over anyway, but just a, a TV thing, title match. And, believe uh, it Terry gave me a lot in that match, you know? And um, when he came back to the dressing room, Hardy says, uh, what are you doing? Hardy Ray says, what are you working for? Because you, you got a lot off. You, did, you, you took a lot off of Terry. I said, no, no. But Terry called the match. So he started giving me shit until he walked in and said, what's the deal? And uh, Hardy said, I think you took too much. Terry said, hey, I call my match, Hardy. You call yours. And that was the end of it. Was, you know? Okay. So what was Terry Funk like? Uh, uh, oh, super nice guy. Super nice guy. Very caring man. Uh... He, he looked after the guys. He uh, made sure that everything's okay. Uh, I would put Terry in, in the top ten of, of pro wrestling in my eyes. You know, okay. as a friend. So he, you know, you meet a lot of guys that the, the public think they're good people, but not, you can't swear on your show, can you? <laughs> no, you can't. Go ahead, say, say whatever you want. Uh, okay. There's a lot of guys that are assholes. You know, okay. and that people I, I idolize. You know, and, and, but your assholes, and uh, you just put up with it. Yeah, <laughs> how you doing? You know, and you just try to keep away from them because you know, and a lot of jealousy in the business too. You know, a lot of jealousy. Sure, you know, and, and I, I remember, uh, and I'm going to tell a story. Uh, we were working with Bobby and Leo Burke at a, a show, and Bulldog Bob Brown, God bless his soul, were doing a commentary with Jeremiah. And there was me and Diamond and Timothy Flowers. You remember Diamond and Timothy? He was in the Maritimes. Okay, yeah. And he was, he was leaving going back to, uh, to, to uh, B.C. So uh, we're dropping the belt, you know, because Tim's leaving. But they're saying to Timmy, you, you drop the belt, we'll get the pin on you. And, you know, he said, no, I'm not dropping the belt. He said, what? Well, no, I'm not. And he started whining and crying about dropping the belt. So I said, I'll do it. He said, well, you're staying. I said, that's okay. I'll, I'll drop it, you guys. Couldn't me. So we worked out a finish. The boom, 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 bang. I got right back up. I, got, I didn't need no heat. But I, I thought that was very unprofessional. 
you know. But it is, let's be honest, wrestling is a business, you know. It's, it's a business. If they say to me, you're dropping the belt, I say, how long? And when? Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's a, you, you don't understand that, you shouldn't put the strap on you. I mean, uh, people say to me, oh, you were 17-time TAT champion, but they forget we dropped him 17 times, too, yeah. you know? They don't, they don't remember that, but it's a business. Uh, that's the way I look at it. They asked you to drop a belt, they gave it to you, so you should be able to drop it. But I know a lot of guys who are world champions wouldn't drop it. And we talk about Hulk Hogan, number one, he wouldn't drop it to certain individuals. You know that yourself. Uh, yeah. You know? So I was going to ask you about, I mean, the whole um, uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels thing uh, where used to, where Bret, quote-unquote, got screwed. Well, what were your thoughts on that, that Bret Hart didn't want to drop the title to uh, Shawn Michaels? Well, I, I, I don't know Sean, to be honest with you, okay. but, but I, I, I know Brett. Now, the story I heard, you probably heard the same story I did. He didn't mind dropping it, but he didn't mind dropping it in Canada. That's, he was gonna drop it. That's what I heard as well, yeah. Yeah, he's going to drop it the next night. And uh, I guess, you know, Vince said, no, don't make, the, uh, make like he's the big boss. He's he going to do what I tell him. He's going to drop it or we're going to screw him. So... But now there's a, lot, there's a lot of people saying that it, it's a big work between the three of them, the four of them, you know? I mean, what's that? I that story, too, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I know, um, I think, uh, interview George Animal Steel said the whole thing was a work uh, during an interview one time, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. If it was the whole thing. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, for, for, for years, I said, you don't put me up and up, you know? But there's so much coming out now that people are talking about and saying, well, you know, this is this and, and uh, you know I'm like you I wouldn't be a bit surprised but if they did it's the best work ever a professional wrestler absolutely absolutely you know people still talk about it today like it's yeah yeah but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully one day it'll come out that it was a work and like you said greatest greatest uh, greatest swerve in the history of professional wrestling yeah it is, it is, it is. I just hope it wasn't but if it does Ben uh, man pull out the biggest work in, in, the, in the history of, uh, of wrestling in my eyes you, you know so, Maritime, let's talk about Maritime's wrestling today. Sure. Because it's amazing right now. There are so many stars right now in the Maritimes. Uh, how do you compare uh, Atlantic Grand Prix wrestling today to, 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 say, the UCW or, or IHW uh, in um, the Maritimes today? Well, you get a lot of guys mad at me and upset at me about what the hell, you know. Okay. <laughs> I'm like a duck and water out the back. I, I, I think, and... You know, this is my own opinion, guys. If you're listening to me, this is my opinion. I I don't. I I haven't seen the Rockman in the Maritime for a few years. Okay. So I, I'm just gonna go on. When I when I was in the territories, we we were we worked hard. We we, we traveled hard. We partied. We played hard. And we we got in our ring. We made believers. Most guys, well, we had a killer car crew. You know, you know the crew that I'm talking about. And, and, and we all. Been, I, I look at uh, you know. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good rappers in, in these company today. But God, you turn around, you're 135, 150 pounds. You got arms like buggy. You got arms like buggy whips. You know. Okay. And, and, and they do all this high flying. Great bump takers. Great bump takers. But they forget a four letter word. But you know what I'm going to say. Okay. Well, you don't say, you don't say nothing. You know? If I, if, I, if, I, if I kick you down below, 
you're going down. Absolutely. You know, you give the guy today, he jumped right up. You throw him on the top load, hit the concrete, he jumped right up. Okay. You know? And, then, and that's, that's what bothers me about today's wrestling. You know, there's a lot of good guys in, in the business down there that, that know how to work. And, and they, they deserve to be where they're at today. But the guys, my God, I, I just got to shake my head, you know, what I see. Uh, I, I'm old school. I'm old school. Okay. So while you guys, guys listen to this, you're going to get pissed off at me. Go ahead. Because you know I'm just telling the truth, boys. Plain and simple. I'm sure. I'm sure you know? they'll be okay. I'm sure they'll be okay. And Lewis, Lewis, you're going to hear it too. Mark my words. Okay. Well, that's, uh, well, I know a lot of them. I'm friends with a lot of them. So hopefully, um, my friendship with them will, uh, will, will come oh, no, it, a little bit. <laughs> I think it'll hit your friendship, but I, I, I tell it like it is. You know, I mean, yeah, no. a lot of good, lot, lot of good rock. I'll tell you what I think it's really, really good. Is it Dave Bice? Oh, Dave Bice. Fanta- Dave Bice is fantastic. Yeah. Yes, he, uh, I see him every, every year in uh, in, in uh, Vegas, and I, I think he's the guy that goes out and posters yep, not only his shows, but other shows, you know, and, I, and I'm so proud of Dave that he, he's bringing the Rothman back uh, to what it used to be, and, you know, and I, you know, I never tell him to a face because he never buys me a drink in Vegas that you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's doing great. I got so much, uh, <laughs> I, I got so much respect for Dave. Don't tell him that. No. Yeah, I won't. I won't. I'll, I'll edit that part out so he doesn't hear it. So he won't. No, Jesus. Then, then he got Chuck Martin. Chuck did pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Mark, you got uh, Marcus Burke. Uh, I think he's Leo. Yeah, Burke, never good. Yeah, I believe. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's fantastic, Mark, Marcus Burke. Yeah. Uh, he was disappointed. I was in Moncton, and uh, he wanted to meet me, and I had to leave real quickly, but. Okay. Uh, I sent a word to him. I said, "Listen, I enjoy what you do. You're a good worker. Keep it up, you know." And he, he, he's another guy that's going to do great in the Maritimes, uh, you know. So, your opinion: Who's the greatest wrestler of all time, in your opinion? Oh, wow! I'm going to answer like well, this. Let's, let's let's narrow it down a bit. Who's the greatest NWA champion of all time? If you want to, if we want, we want to narrow it down a little bit. Okay, but, uh, the best. I think Jack Wisco. I like Jack work. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, meditate, okay? Oh, okay, yeah. Nick, Nick Dockwinkle in AWA. Okay, AWA, yeah, very, very good wrestler there, yep. Yeah, uh, I, I met uh, Nick a few years ago. God rest his soul, he passed away. Uh, Jack Wisco, I thought was good. Uh, let me see who else. I, I don't, I don't think, I, I can't, well, I'm going to say Bruno, Bruno San Martino for the WWF. Okay. You know, uh, Hogan, yeah, Hogan was uh, a gimmick. You know, okay. he, he he put asses in the seats. I, I, to my opinion, I don't think he's a good wrestler. Okay, that's my opinion. Okay. Uh, the Mirror Times. Uh, I'm going to have to say number one, Neil Burke. Okay. Uh, Vancouver. Wow. Yes, Don Leo Jonathan. Okay. Uh, Moose Murawski from Vancouver. Uh, of course, uh, Stampede. You got uh, Mongolian Stomper, Gil Hayes, uh, Dave Rule, guys you probably never heard of. Um, you know, are champions. No, I've, heard of, I've, heard of, I've heard of them. I remember okay. getting Georgia Championship Wrestling. Mongolian Stomper was, uh, yep. was a big part of Georgia Championship Wrestling. Only big part of Stampede. And, yep. you know, um, 
Sweet Daddy Fiki was a big part of that, yeah, too, believe it or not. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, of course, one, one wrestler that scared the hell out of me growing up, and I'm not sure if you ever crossed paths with him, was Maniac Mark Lewin. That guy scared the hell out of me growing up. Really? Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> when he was in Georgia, he was a lunatic. He, I remember he slapped a sleeper hold on, uh, on Austin Idol, and he wouldn't let him go, and, and he had the sleeper hold on for like six, seven minutes, and spit was pouring out of uh, Austin Idol's mouth. And I, I was, I was uh, nine, ten years old. I was, I was scared to death. I thought he was going to kill Austin Idol. And ever since I saw that, I was, I've been, I was scared. Uh, I, I, was, I was having nightmares about uh, Maniac Mark Lewin. Well, see, he, he had you convinced. Yeah. See? Yeah. So, do, you know, when you can do that to a wrestling fan, you're doing, you're doing good. You know? I, I remember one time, I think uh, I tried to think of me from the Mary Times. Peter Smith. Okay. Peter said to me one time, he said, you scared me when I was a child. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know? And I, 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 that caught me totally by surprise when Pete said that to me. You know, so, but it, 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 the business has been good to me. I work for everything I got, of course, you know, and, and uh, I work in the movie business now, so I, I do pretty good. Okay, oh, you're in the movie business now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say movie or moving, like moving, movie business? No, no, movies, movies, okay. TV shows. Yeah, I drive, I drive the, the actors and actresses around. Oh, okay, you know? all right. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. They must uh, be excited that they get to ride with uh, no-class Bobby Bass. Actually, I get excited for I ride with them. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't tell them who I am. Okay, you know? okay. Uh, but somebody else does, and... Uh, uh, I remember Charlie uh, Sheen. I bought a guy for Charlie for a while. Okay. And then his brother, his brother found out who I was and he had an argument. He got back to drive with me. Now he drives with me, drives with this. <laughs> so I, I ended up at uh, his brother. And then I and I had James, uh, uh, what the guy played, James Bond there. Jimmy Dalton. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Dalton. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah, I had him, Holly Hunter, Robert De Niro, you know, uh, Leslie Nielsen. Uh, so, yeah, I had a few of them, so it's it, 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 it good living for me, you know. Uh, my wife said another year, and I'm just going to retire. All right, you know. You know. So I'm getting up there. So, but I'm in good health, you no, know. That's but good. that's good. That's that's good. You're in good health. Um, well, so who's your all-time favorite opponent? Uh, I think you might have mentioned it was Leo Burke, but who is who yeah. your all-time favorite opponent? All-time favorite opponent. I'm going to say, besides Leo Burke, I'm going to say Hercules Cortez. Remember him? I, the name sounds familiar. I, didn't, I haven't seen too many matches, but the name, I, I know the name. Yeah, we had, we had horror matches in, uh, in Stampede, and then he came here, and we had horror matches here, too. You know? Uh, these guys here are, are, are great individuals to get in the ring with. You know, you you got the good guy versus the bad guy. The good guy got all kinds of people loving him, and the bad guy got all kinds of people hating him. So it makes a good combination to to get in there and, and just have a lot of lot of fun with the matches. You know, I I how I looked at it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun to me. But I, I in the ring I could take care of myself and get the crowd going crazy and all that. It was a lot of fun. I was a walker, a talker, and a bullshitter, as you say. <laughs> uh, I, I heard a story uh, on another interview I was, I was listening to. Maybe you can tell a story that you actually got uh, arrested coming back from Japan uh, by uh, by the RCMP, I believe. 
Well, I got what? I think you had gotten arrested one time coming back from Japan, I believe. Oh, yeah, I Yeah, that happened in Monocue, PEI. Steve Tennypa threw me over the top rope, you know, and uh, I land down, I take the bump, and some guy kicked me in the face. Oh, no. And I grab, yeah, and I grabbed his leg and started crawling up the pants, and I kind of kicked the shit out of him, believe it or not. <laughs> and I said, you know, I said, yeah, this, is, this is not worth it. And I shoved him back. You know, and, and, and just said something like you're lucky or something like that. Anyway, I leave. I think it was the last time in Montague for the summer. And I go to Japan. Forgot all about it. Anyway, I, I come back to Montague and a couple of RCP come in, in, in um, dress room and said, Bobby, you're under arrest. I said, what are you talking about? And he told me, I said, are you kidding me? Apparently, this guy said I, I punched him out. Uh, slapped his wife and kicked the baby. Anybody knows me, you know, I don't do that. And so and he said, we got to do it. I said, okay. So he put the cuffs on me. And, uh, no, I'm sorry. Did you give me the, the thing to appear in court? So I appeared in court and gee, the, uh, the courthouse was jammed, packed. Wow. So I, I had a lawyer. I had a, uh, uh, I didn't show any time, I think. Uh, okay. I had the, uh, the place was packed and, uh, First thing, and I, I, I gotta say it like I, I said it before, and the prosecutor stand up, looks like he had a three piece $98 suit of Sears or something like that, you know? And he, first thing he said to me, Lewis, and I swear to God, he said, it's rattling phony, that's all phony, isn't it? So I said, if I grab you and put a sleeper hold on you and knock you out, and you wake up, you're bare ass naked, would it be phony then? <laughs> and I heard the judge, no, no, you know. So anyway, the kid get out and tell the story, and the judge is shaking his head. So believe it or not, you're Bobby Vasquez. They came in and said, "No, Bobby didn't do that." That's great. You know, that's great. So you got off. So, and, so you got off on that. That's fantastic. Yeah, he wanted to see me. I think I think he had about fifty or sixty thousand dollars. You know, wow. and uh, yeah. So anyway, you you gotta shake your head. I'll tell you, man, you got time. I'll tell you another quick story. Yeah, no, go uh, ahead. You have, I have all the time. Go ahead. I, I want to hear it, man. Uh, in Vancouver, the word, any rocker hates to hear it, knife. You know? Yeah, okay. So uh, I, was work, I was working with uh, Cole Off and somebody else, and uh, we went outside the ring, boom, 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 and he jumped in, and uh, I'm turning the head for the dressing room, and I heard, knife, knife, and I turned around and let one go, and I couldn't stop it. And I nailed about, a, I think she was 70 years old. But as I hit her, I felt a sharp pain on my side. You know a knitting needle? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, when the mom, no, I'm sorry, hat pin, I'm sorry, the hat pin. She shoved it through my side. Oh, gosh. And uh, I hit her. <laughs> she went about three feet back. And, and, and I went down, the, down into the tunnel, and I said to the cop, I hit that lady, I hit that lady. He goes, yeah, but look what you did to her. And I looked down, and there was the hat pin, and I went to pull it away. I said, no, leave it. We got to get pictures of it. Anyway, she sued me uh, for a lot of money, and I went to court, and and, and uh, Thank God that uh, the policemen took pictures of it, and they came to court and they told what happened, and uh, nothing happened. But that was on a Friday in court, and Monday night in the PME Gardens in uh, Vancouver, she was back whipping cans of coke at me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I didn't. The, 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 the crazy things happened to me, you know. 
also it was it, it had to have been much harder to be a heel back then than it is today because today heels you're a heel on TV but uh, the next day you're at a you're at a book signing or you're at an autograph signing and you're you're a nice guy but when you were a heel back then you had to be a heel 24/7 all the time right yeah. right uh, I never signed an autograph Killer Car Coop never signed it Frenchie never signed it we were heels we we, we kept in character 24/7 you know. Uh, and luckily, we all got some uh, the fancy department had a few beer, and then we just relaxed. But uh, yeah. yeah, you you had to, you had to give the people the persona that you were a bad guy all the time. You woke up, you went to bed being bad. You woke up being bad, you know. And and then the next you had to make them people or the fans. I shouldn't call people the fans believe. And a lot of people, a lot of people did. They, they believed that you were, and you know. Uh, God bless the soul, Killer Car Coop. I don't know if you ever knew him. He'd give you the shirt off his back. Okay. He's, he's, he's such a nice guy. Away from the public guy, you know. Uh, we, we just had a lot of fun with Carl. But, you know, he, he, in the times that him to go anyplace, being a, a big six-foot-something guy with the bald head, and, you know, everybody knew him, the big German. And so if he went and joined that club, we had to go with him, give myself or, or whoever, and just make sure nobody... You know, attacked him or anything like that. You know. Were you ever a good guy? No. Were you ever a face, or were you always a heel? What's that? Were you ever a good guy, or a face, or were you always a heel? You're breaking up like crazy, there, my friend. Can you hear me okay now? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. No. Were you ever a were you ever a good guy instead of a, instead of being a heel? Yeah, I, I was. I was. Believe me, uh, people are rest know this. I, I'd working with uh, remember crazy Chris Colt. Uh, yep, yep, name is familiar. Yeah, yeah. Okay, me. One time, and uh, Ron Morier was uh, the announcer for BCTV, and we were going to do a thing where Chris hit me with brass knuckles, and, and I'd go down and we would start a war. So we went out and we put little marks on the floor. So when he threw the punch, I uh, I had the blade, and I was going to cut the tongue and a little bit in the lip and get the juice. And, uh, we had the we had the mark and Ron Moyer there. I was on the left side and I think Chris was on the right. Anyway, Chris was shooting the mouth off about me and I, I walked on the interview area and uh, I stood on my spot and uh, I, I saw Chris put the the real real knuckles by the way put okay. the knuckles on and uh, Ron Ron Moyer moved and I moved my head and said what and Chris let it fly. Holy Jesus! He tapped me right in the mouth. All the teeth went all over. Teeth went all over the place. I did the big spin, hit the floor. Chris jumped down and grabbed me and said, Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. And he pounded me. Are you okay? I'm like, Anyway, they left me to hospital and all the teeth were jammed up in the gums and through the lips. Oh, gosh. And they couldn't take it out for a day or so because it was funny. Anyway, I was in the hospital for a week. And believe I start, you know, uh, Ron Murray said, Bob, uh, Outlaws, whatever you call me, Outlaw, I think it was, uh, in the hospital, and, you know, she sent them cards. Then I started getting cards and all that in the hospital. And, and then I come back, and uh, Chris said, we got a good thing going here. And uh, I got fitted with uh, dentures, I think. Yeah, dentures. Okay. Anyway, uh, uh, Chris said, listen, we got a good thing going. We, we can make a lot of money. If we, you know, I go on TV, so I'm glad I did it and all this. So I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. So I remember the first night in the Peony Gardens, you couldn't get in the joint. It, 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 the main event with the uh, revenge match with uh, uh, me and, and Chris. And uh, 
I walked over foot, I got all the chairs and all that. So I went, shh, and made everybody be quiet, and I got down beside the ring, and I had a baseball bat. And Chris come out, and there was nothing. Dead silence. And he's ranting and raving and did nothing. So we started uh, talking, you know, we, we had the ring that he would have it back to me. And uh, I, I came with the baseball bat, and he turned around, and I nailed him in the stomach. Boom, in the back of the head. Boom. Then I threw the baseball bat down, and I kicked the crap out of him. People went crazy. Wow. And then... Uh, then about a month later, I turned heel again. <laughs> <You know. There laughs> I think I turned on, I think I turned on Dolly Robinson or something like that. But uh, yeah, that, that was a good guy. It, it, it was kind of weird being cheered, you know. Okay. You're not used to it, and it was, it was kind of weird after all of years. But I, 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 I like being a heel. I, I really do. We have, we have nothing to prove to the fans. Oh, yeah. We don't have to be the pretty. We don't have to be the pretty boys, you know. Uh, we're heels, and nobody bothers us. I mean, you, you, I would never, ever, uh, when I was on the road, I wouldn't go to the local bars. Okay. So I'll go back to hotel. I'll go back to hotel. Pay, uh, you know, with the boys, have a few beers, go to sleep, and travel the next day. But the more you are in the public eye, uh, you know, they don't see you. They, they don't follow you or whatever it is. They, they. they don't get the impression that you're human. Do you think you're that big bad wrestler all the time? Absolutely. But you can follow that. You can follow that logic. You know. Absolutely. absolutely. But, so, uh, last question, and uh, I mean, we're all we're yeah. over that hour. I mean, I'm having an absolute blast because I, I grew up uh, watching the old school wrestlers. I'm having an absolute blast hearing all these stories. They're, they're so amazing. Uh, so I just wanted to ask you, my all-time favorite wrestler, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Do you have any Rowdy yes. Rowdy Roddy Piper stories that that you can share? Yeah, I sure do. Uh, Roddy with the big big uh, baby face in Portland, Oregon. I was the big top heel in, in the Maritime, uh, in Vancouver. Uh, me and Don Wade, Bobby Jagger, uh, turned babyface. Okay. Got Savvy, Paul Ramos. I, I never remember all these names, but these guys were fantastic wrestlers. But, but, uh, me, me and Roddy did the, the, uh, strap match, blood all over the place. We did take team together. Uh, you know, people don't remember the matches because, I hate to say this, they're not the WWE or WWF, you know. Sure. And uh, we uh, did a lot of matches together. Jimmy, Jimmy Snooker, you know, me and Jimmy did a lot of matches. Okay. And, and you know, Death Savage we did. But we, we, we were just in them two different territories. You had Portland, Oregon, and, and Vancouver, BC. And we were in, in, interactive boys, you know, the boys to come in and come out. And uh, yeah, Roddy came in a lot, a lot of good matches with, uh, with Roddy Piper. Matter of fact, uh, when was it? How long have Roddy been dead now? Two, three years? Maybe more? Uh, I think 2016, yeah. Three, three years, three years, yeah. Uh, we, we were supposed to go down to Maritimes and tour together. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, he phoned me and said, hey, I'm looking forward to it, but He said, long time no see. I said, yeah, me too, man. We, we get together talk about the old days. And that's what we do. We talk about the guys we know and the guys who passed away and the guys we work with. And uh, next thing I know, I get the phone call. He passed away. Well, I know that, that that's a big shock for me. You know. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a sad day. I grew up. Uh, he was one of one of my. Is like I say, he's my absolute all time favorite wrestler. And uh, uh, mine too. And you're a nice gentleman. Whoever saw Roddy, you know, he always had nice things to say about you. But do you remember he was he back in the '80s in the Maritime too? Okay. Yeah. You know. That. Yeah, he was there. But, but you know, a lot of a lot of good guys. I'm not going over here. Just tell me. I stop talking. No, you, you have as much time as you like, Bobby. I, I, uh, I could go on forever, actually, right now. But uh, go ahead. We were, he was in the Maritimes. 
you know, it, 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 it Piper, and uh, 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 he played them bagpipes. I remember somebody poured baby powder in, in the pipes one time. Okay. He, he, he came out and he started playing, and the Jesus the pipe, the powder's going all over the place. But he was weird. <laughs> he was really pissed off. Of course, nobody admitted it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Roddy. Actually, I read a story that uh, his first um, his debut in Madison Square Garden, I think it was '79. Fred Blassie actually stuffed paper uh, the paper tissue into the bagpipe so they wouldn't work. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's something. but uh, yeah, no, that's that's uh, great stuff. You know, I I just want to say, you know, I had an absolute blast speaking with you today. I'm sure you have a ton of more, many many more stories that, that you that you want to that you like to talk about. I I would love to have you back on the show just to talk about old school wrestling uh, again uh, in the future. This this was fantastic. Uh, brought back a lot. Of anytime you want me, anytime you want me, friend, you know my number. Don't give it out. Get the girl to be phoning her all the time. Okay. You know. Well, I won't give it out. I, I have it. Uh, yep. I, it is in my phone. I, I put it under No Class Bobby Bass, so I'm, okay. I'm, uh, I guess I'm honored that I can say I have No Class Bobby Bass's cell phone um, in my phone right now. So, so, uh, it's phone number uh, in my cell phone right now, so let I me say uh, this to you. feel very fortunate to, to do that. But, let me say this to you, uh, uh, Lewis. It's been a pleasure to be on your program and talk about the old days. Uh, it would bring so much pleasure to me and I hope all all them fans out there are fantastic. Uh, they don't want to support support the boys. They don't want to come to the arenas every night. They don't want to cheer us on, boo us on. And, and I just hope this business continues to get better. And I kind of hope, like a lot of guys, we get territory back. So the guys that are working right now can go and make a, a half decent living. And I, with all my heart and soul, I hope that happens. Yeah, well, me too. Well, the NWA is back. I don't know if you've been watching. Uh, they yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's absolutely that's become my favorite TV show. It brings back so many memories watching a TV studio wrestling. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely yeah. huge fan of uh, that new NWA show. So hopefully, uh, territories will come back, like you said, and uh, everyone could uh, make a decent living uh, professionally. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. Well, Bobby, again, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, and I look forward to speaking to you again uh, really, really soon. Uh, have a great day, have a great evening, have a great week, and I hope you don't mind uh, if I if I if a name of a wrestler pops into my head, and I like to know if you have a story, if I could shoot you a message and say, "Hey, do you know mm-hmm. story about this guy?" Yeah, you, I, look, I, I, worked, I was in the 70s, 80s, and the 90s. Well, they were the magic time. I worked, I worked and I traveled with every damn wrestler in the world, America, Canadian, and uh, their stories. I could tell you stories, make you laugh, make you cry, okay. you know, and not, and not tell the same one twice. All right, <laughs> well, we're going to have to do this again. We're going to have to do this again very soon then. Okay, my friend, you take care. God bless. Okay, take care. Bye-bye, my friend. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, this has been the Alliance Pro Wrestling Network. I am your host, Lewis Carlin. Again, I want to thank my guest, the one and only no-class Bobby Bass. And until next time, thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Stay safe, everyone. So long. Bye-bye.